Nothing gets me more hyped than Rocky music. The only thing that comes close, I think, is the NFL draft, especially when there's been no sports for six weeks. Howdy ho, guys. I'm back, or we're back with another episode, and this week it's just a duo pod. I'm joined with Dan. Dan, how are you doing? It's another beautiful day in paradise, man. I wish the weather was a lot nicer, but golf courses are opening back up. That gives us a little bit more semblance of sports. We just saw the first NFL virtual draft, which actually I thought went off pretty seamlessly, other than the fact that Roger Goodell still can't figure out how to be a normal fucking human being. Uh, but it's been good. That it has. I feel like it was a welcome sight having the NFL draft with no sports going on. So that was nice to see, and I know for a lot of teams in our league aka sam you've been waiting to contribute in our league with this draft so it's nice that this is finally in the books yeah it's it's uh it's been a good time and it's nice that we get to we have content that we get to talk about especially since we've had a little bit of sauciness that's happened through uh through a couple trades but now we get down to the real kind of the nitty-gritty homework piece to it uh what the hell's actually going to happen when we start this sauciness i see what you did there we'll, mm-hmm. we'll end on that note Anyways, let's talk about the draft, and let's, I mean, I figured, let's just break it down by position. Let's start with quarterbacks, you know, where it all started. Joe Burrow went number one, as we all expected. Um, And then after that, it was kind of chalk for the next two picks. Tua went to Miami, and Justin Herbert went to San Diego. I mean, anything with those three quarterbacks stand out to you, Dan? No, I think it was interesting that everybody talked about that Justin Herbert could, could, uh, jump to a, in the draft piece here a um, couple pieces there but I mean these first three picks landed exactly where we expected them to be there wasn't really any shock to it um, so those were kind of uneventful but when we start talking about the fourth quarterback coming off the board that's where she gets a little bit more crazy yeah I mean I think like you said it there was that little smoke screen that maybe Herbert was going to go to the Dolphins and maybe it was just that a smoke screen but things got interesting with the next two quarterbacks and Jordan Love and Jalen Hurts Jordan Love is with the Green Bay Packers? Question mark. And Jalen Hurts is backing up Carson Wentz in Philadelphia. I mean, I was. Those were kind of shocking picks. How did you feel when you saw them come in? Um, I, the first piece for for Green Bay, and I know this will hurt a couple people by saying this. I laughed. I laughed out loud. I'm trying to figure out what the hell they're doing with part of this. One of the deepest wide receiver classes that we have at, for a team that needs wide receivers. And this is what they do. Now, God bless Philadelphia. Philadelphia at least went out and got a couple, you know, weapons to, to give to Carson Wentz. But Green Bay really wasn't sure what they were doing with this. And it makes me question, the the is Aaron Rodgers going to be moving and how will that affect other quarterbacks that exist in this league? That's a good point. I mean, we could devote an entire episode to talking about the Packers and questioning their moves, but... In the interest of probably half this league, we have to maybe it's not do that. Probably pretty smart, yeah. But let's let's talk about Jordan Love. I mean, he was someone that I think there was rumors he could go in the mid-first or maybe New England or maybe sit behind, you know, True Breeze in New Orleans. But landing in Green Bay, I mean, how does, you know, from your perspective, how does that, how do you take that as a potential, you know, draft pick? I think you've got to look at it. Whoever owns Aaron Rodgers has to be looking and saying, I might need to grab Jordan Love sooner than later as long as shit doesn't hit the fan. Um, it's a very interesting piece. You look at the same thing with the player that owns Carson Wentz. I, I mean, you've got to look at these guys got to be your handcuffs potentially um, to just in case anything happens. It's uh, It gives them a little bit more value to certain people, and I think it diminishes their value in, in the draft to others. 
I was just going to ask that. I mean, do you think they still have considerable value as a non, you know, backup, you know, security option? I think to the to the team owners, they have more value than to potentially other players that are sitting well in quarterback to quarterback needy teams. It gets a little bit more intriguing, especially Jordan Love, because is this a fuck you to Aaron Rodgers? Yeah. I mean, I would love that to be the case, but a part of me, I guess, just can't imagine that that would happen, right? Uh, yeah, I mean, Brett Favre came out and said that, that it's not Aaron Rodgers' job to teach Jordan Love to be a quarterback. Like, no. he's out there to win games and do his piss, do his pieces and piss them off, and Favre says he doubts that Rodgers is going to finish in Green Bay, so this potentially could give a little extra value maybe to Jordan Love than what it could be. Well, okay, let's so let's ask this question. Let's say you knew that Jordan Love or Jalen Hurts, realistically, they were going to be benched for a year and then start the following year. Ignore where they landed right now, but let's just say in general, if you knew going into the draft that they would be starting in 2021, where would you draft them? Top six. Okay. You. Top six? Yep, top six. Just quarter in a in a super flex two QB league that we play in, it's extremely important to make sure that you solidify those positions because there's only 32 of them that start. Yeah, that's true. And when you think about that, there's potentially 60 running backs that have some relevancy because you've got teams that run two running backs for part of this. Wide receivers have additional depth because you play more of them. There's only one guy out there throwing the ball. That's true. I mean, quarterbacks do have an exceptional amount of value, so I can't argue with that. I think for me, I'd probably put him in like the late first, early second round territory. But now let's look at the flip side in the reality. And I, I mean, I don't think you can really project them to be starters, at least with their current team, for a good, I mean, two, probably three years. Yep, which again, now you look at that, how does that change their value? Now where do you think yeah. that they're going to land? I mean... I think just because, like you said, the quarterback needy teams and how valuable they are, I think someone's going to, some teams will bite on them in the second round. But, I mean, I wouldn't feel great. I think the only teams that will do that will either be, A, the people that it's like a luxury, or B, the people that might be a little bit desperate. Yeah, and it's crazy to see what desperation does in part of this. People mm-hmm. people reach. Absolutely. Um, Real quick before we move on, quarterback two, Tua, Justin Herbert. I like Herbert a little bit more personally, but I don't think you can go wrong in either aspect. Okay. That's uh, yeah. I, I just I don't see I don't. You can make a couple arguments one way or another between health and the consistency piece to it, but I, I I'm sitting with a little bit of Herbert. Okay. Let's move on to the running backs then, and uh, I feel like all the running backs except for maybe one of them landed in spectacular spots. It was super impressive to watch these guys come off the board and, and be taken by teams that have opportunities where these guys can step in and have an immediate impact into their roles. Oh, yeah. I mean, the Chiefs kind of threw a curveball as the first round ended mm-hmm. Thursday night when they selected Clyde Edwards Hilaire. I mean, that is, I mean, just on the surface, a match made in heaven. The fact that they did it in the first round, I mean, is he your running back number one right now? I, it's hard to argue against that. I was put in a situation earlier um, in a different league, and Edwards Hilaire uh, 
given the opportunity to pick between the two, would have been my first guy off the board. But it's hard to argue against the fact that somebody wants to take Jonathan Taylor running behind that Colts offensive line, um, playing with a guy like Phillip Rivers that has the ability to make running backs pretty nice uh, in that. And, yeah, I th- you, you flip the coin, but I'm, I'm going to take Edwards Hilaire over Taylor. But you're damned if you damned if you don't. Both guys are exceptional. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, I'm kind of curious what the this Colts offense maybe morphs into. Are they going to be more run-heavy? Um, just not even short-term this year, but long-term. I know everyone's like, oh, Marlon Mack, he's going to be gone next year. But maybe the goal is to just have two starting caliber running backs and maybe Jonathan Taylor doesn't have that workload. I don't know. I think the interesting piece becomes, so if you do if you do go through and say, hey, I'm going to keep Jonathan Taylor and Marlon Mack are going to be the two guys that do it. Neither yep. guy is really exceptional catching the ball out of the backfield, which is where you have a, a Naheem Hines or a, a Wilkerson, right? Mm-hmm. Wilkerson? Wilkins. Wilkins, the close enough sounds like. Um, so thanks. So it's which one of those guys between the four of them is going to lose their job? Somebody, there's no way you can carry four running backs, right? No. In, unless you're so. going to start running Naheem Hines out of the slot, which doesn't make a whole lot of sense. It's, no, it's, I... it's an interesting piece to look at that because somebody's got to be the odd man out in that offense. Mm-hmm. No, I agree. I mean, and it might be, you know, this, like I said, maybe this, this year, 2020, with Taylor being a rookie, getting him a little acclimated, maybe they decide to roll with four. But... I'm guessing it's got to be uh, what Hines is the pass catcher, right? Yeah, Hines is the pass catcher yeah. that came on. That that's been great for his first couple of years. Um, so you got to feel Wilkins might be the odd man out, but I think again you you lean towards Marlon Mack might be the guy. Definitely in the long term. I mean, he's going to be a free agent next year, and I mean we talked about how this Colts offense like. Even after losing Andrew Luck, they had just had such an amazing offensive line that they can still, in theory, have an elite running back. And now with Jonathan Taylor, I mean, it's no secret that people some some people have him as their top running back in this class. So I get it, but I'm just at least for me that that's like the biggest reason that tilts me in favor of Clyde Edwards or Clyde Edwards Hilaire is that even if he's not like the full fledged bona fide number one. He is going to be a PPR monster. He's going to be in a high-scoring offense. Like He just has everything going for him. Jonathan Taylor, he's very talented, don't get me wrong, but I'm just like, eh, this Colts offense might be a little more time-sharey than I think people might be excited for. Mm-hmm. I mean, then you look at you look at Baltimore, J.K. Dobbins. What a great mm-hmm. fit for him. I mean, but again, you're putting another guy that's sitting in that offense out of a business. Yeah, I mean... For them, I mean, at least like Mark Ingram, he's a little bit older. I think he's is he at is he thirty or over thirty at this point? He should be really close. I'm squiggling it now. He's he's thirty. He'll be thirty-one next year. December. So he's and I think he's going into the last year of his contract. So again, it might be a similar situation, but maybe even more inclined for them to move on. That this this first year might be a little bit crowded, but maybe next year he gets the keys to this offense yeah it, it again you talk about there's a lot of people that fell into really good spots it's it's going to be a, a great piece for this draft to to watch it unfold yeah and i mean acres with the rams yeah. moving on for Gurley. i mean they still have offensive line issues but that's nothing that acres isn't used to after playing for florida state <laughs> so no, it's so bad <laughs> 
but uh, yeah so i mean acres obviously that's another i mean he's definitely the top a top five running back in this class but the one i want to talk about is deandre swift how do you feel about that landing spot i mean let's let's get the facts straight he was the second running back off the board he went ahead of jonathan taylor um prior to this whole draft i mean some people had them had him as their number one running back in the class but he went to the lions they have Ann johnson the lions outside of maybe stafford and kenny galladay can be a little bit frustrating from a fantasy perspective what are your expectations for swift so the, the one question i would i would ask is how is this a we don't trust somebody coming off of a major knee injury is this a we watched him go down and we put our backups in and we realized they really kind of sucked ass mm-hmm. for the most part that we want to go out and get a talented guy i think you can watch this be a two-headed monster out of the backfield but like you said it's detroit is a fantasy boom or a fantasy bust depending on which part of the offense you're going to look at it's a it's a bipolar type situation landing spot i don't mind um for him i think he's a good compliment to carry on johnson um yeah i guess that's kind of all i got to say about that yeah i mean i guess what about like two also the patriots way i mean with their head coach mm-hmm. you know that's kind of a staple in the patriots that they ride the hot hand they have three four running backs on their team and week in and week out you never know who's going to be the guy now these two guys Kerryon johnson and swift were both drafted in the high second round so i mean maybe there's more you know there's they have a little more oomph behind them to be more important in the offense but what about that is this a run first to set up the pass kind of offense? Is this beneficial for Matthew Stafford? Uh, the question I'll ask you for, for part of this is, does, does drafting DeAndre Swift give Matthew Stafford additional value? Um, I mean, I think yes in the sense that this offense doesn't have a lot of talent from an offensive side of things to begin with. I mean, you look at, like, Danny Amendola, I think, was probably their third or fourth best, like, yeah, offensive playmaker. Play yeah. <laughs> and it's Danny Amendola. This isn't like five years ago talking about Danny Amendola. So yeah, I think it helps him for sure. Just because it's another talented player. Um, yeah, it's not a wide receiver. It's not a tight end, but he's still just talented enough that he should be able to assist, um, Stafford. If at nothing else for when Kerry and Johnson gets injured, Swift can come in. And then when Swift get injured, Kerry and Johnson can come back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, uh, it's an interesting piece in that offense. Um, it'll be fun to see what kind of happens out of that. And they don't exactly play easy run defenses to see twice a year. The Bears run defense is pretty decent. The Vikings run defense is pretty decent. And Green Bay has a pretty decent run defense. So is Swift, is he your number five? Is he your number four? Is he your number three? Where where does he fall for you? I... I think you get when you look at Swift, he's probably sitting just outside of the top five. Um, with it, I think there's a landing spot for a couple of these receivers that you could argue would be just ahead of where Swift goes. So I would and probably put Swift at six. My apologies, amongst running backs. Not oh, like amongst overall. oh, sorry, amongst running backs. Yeah, he's he's a he's a top five guy. Is he? But is he behind those other four, or is there? I don't like him ahead of. Um, I just blanked here. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, I don't like him ahead of of Taylor. 
Um, you can make an argument for me for Cam Akers, and then I would probably have um, him there. J.K. Dobbins. Yeah. Okay. Man, I gotta start drinking. I get. I, I do better when I start when I'm drinking. I was gonna say maybe you have been drinking. Jesus, You've been no. drinking a little too much, maybe. No, I haven't even no? started. This could be a problem. All right. Well, let's. You, if you had trouble with a running back, you're probably gonna have more prop or trouble with the wide receivers because so many of these landing spots weren't necessarily as amazing as they could be i mean we saw teams like oakland and denver draft multiple wide receivers um i guess i just want to start right off the bat you know we know where everyone landed everyone did do you have i mean if you're willing to say it like a favorite wide receiver after all these landing spots i think i have two personally okay Um, I think Jalen Rieger in Philadelphia is one of my favorite ones, and then Justin Jefferson in Minnesota are probably my two absolute favorite landing spots for these guys. Yeah, I mean, I still, and I'm probably crazy, but I still like CeeDee Lamb. I think he landed with the best quarterback, and even though it is talent, or a big, um, there's a lot of, of mouths to feed, but I think that talent, you know, supersedes everything. And I think that CeeDee Lamb could rise up there very quickly. And since they'll have Dak throwing to him and presumably still a high-powered offense, I think he can make a big splash. Yeah, it almost it's almost like Dallas tried to replace the fact that they have Blake Jarwin with CeeDee Lamb. Because you can go three wide with Elliott in the backfield, maybe a fullback, or you can play a Blake Jarwin in there. But th- those are multiple weapons, and now now it's you're going to try and take Dak away? Well, which receiver are you going to take Dak away throwing to? And then don't forget that Elliott is a great pass catcher out of the backfield. Yes, very much so. Yeah. Um, so my question for you is, is so you, uh-huh. look at, you look at teams like Denver that gives a bunch of weapons to their quarterback, and Vegas is trying to give a bunch of weapons to their quarterback. Mm-hmm. Do you like Locke or uh, Carr a little bit better now? Um, that's a tough one. I mean, I feel like I'd probably just be more inclined to roll the dice on Locke just because he's a little more unknown, which could be very foolish in, you know, eight months when we're all clamoring for the Broncos to somehow land, you know, Justin Fields or Trevor Lawrence by some miracle. But... A car, I feel like we've seen his ceiling. You know, he did have Amari Cooper on his team. I mean, obviously they've added, you know, Ruggs and Brian Edwards and Lynn Bowden Jr. and a few other guys. So that's a lot of talent coming in. But we've seen Carr with a top five or ten wide receiver, and it's not like he was amazing. So I rather roll the dice on Lock. What about you? Uh, yeah, it. I think Lock has the better piece to it. I think. Locke is going to, he has a little bit better of a team I would around agree. him potentially. Uh, both guys have, have uh, running backs that are going to be pretty dynamic mm-hmm. with it. Uh, you take your you take your talents on the younger guy, I think, yeah. So let's, let's stick with these two teams. Mm-hmm. Henry Ruggs or Jerry Judy? Go into your head, which one do you want right on your team? Jerry Judy. Okay. You? Is that, is that because of the... Um, the landing spot for both of them or is it purely because the player and you think this player's better size okay i, I, I like i like i mean judy 6-1 rugs is pulling it up right now with it 5-11 so two inches worth of difference i i think judy 
I've seen more of him that I like a little bit better. Ruggs has speed, it's going to be great, but Jerry Judy has, I think, has a little bit more pass catch ability than Ruggs does. On a scale of 1 to 10, how confident are you with that answer? Probably a 6 or a 7. I mean, any of these guys can boom or bust, so there's no yeah. way I can say I'm a 10. But I would say I'm probably a 6 or a 7, understanding that I'm picking a pass catcher that has a quarterback that hasn't really proven himself in the NFL. Yeah, and that's why, I mean, I'm going to say Judy as well, mostly because I think his route running abilities and his just that aspect of it could suit any quarterback. But I my confidence level is a two. I think both these like landing situations with the quarterbacks are dicey. And who knows, I mean, what the quarterback situations could look like in a few years for them. So it could all be irrelevant because they have some sort of stud throwing to them. But neither one of them sticks out to me too much. I think they both, I mean, I think Judy probably out of all the wide receivers drafted, I think lost the most just from his landing spot and seeing, you know, they drafted um, Noah Fant last year. Mm -hmm. They still have Cortland Sutton on their team. They added the um, Missouri, Albert the, O. Albert O and one more wide receiver, right? Yep, they got um, K.J. Hamler. Yes, K.J. Hamler from Penn State in the second round. So the first two rounds picks were wide receivers. I mean, they are clearly trying to support Drew Locke or believe in Drew Locke, but that's a lot of mouths to feed. So <laughs> it just, a... and I know I just said with C.D. Lamb, you know, talent supersedes, and I think Judy can do that, but I just don't feel as good about that situation because Drew Locke is a wild card. Is there a receiver that went in the third round or later that you're super excited with their landing spot? Mm, that is a great question. Thanks, man. So I think the the first one and the, let's see, I'm not excited about his landing spot, but I did like Brian Edwards a lot going into this draft and he landed with the Raiders, of course. So that isn't amazing, but I think he's just a talented enough player. He's had a lot of injuries and I think that's kind of why he maybe fell. So if he stays healthy, he could potentially, you know, be a breakout. Um, but outside of that, I'd say um, in the third round or later, I would probably have to go with Devin DuVernay. For, um, he's with the Baltimore Ravens. Um, arguably had the best hands in the draft class, I think. And he's little, you know, slot guy. And I think he could fit that Baltimore team and what Lamar Jackson does. Um, him and Hollywood Brown and I think could wreck havoc, you know, along with those tight ends. So he would probably be my pick. What about you? Uh, I'm going to stay out kind of towards that eastern section and go just a little bit down the ways from Baltimore into Washington, D.C., uh, where you find Antonio Gandy-Golden. Um, big kid, 6'4", 223. Uh, ran a 4'6", so pretty quick play. He's going to play opposite Terry McLaurin. Just a huge body that Dwayne Haskins has the ability to get the ball to. Uh, I think this is a, it's a fun landing spot for him. It's a team that's up and coming from a from a passing and catching perspective. Mm -hmm. um, and he looked really good playing out at Liberty. Uh, I didn't really know a lot about him prior to going into the draft. But uh, big agility, just a big body presence to, to get it all done. Yeah. And that's a good one. I know he was very trendy among like kind of the the fantasy community and 
I don't know if that was maybe just or him maybe falling a little bit because the class is so deep or if maybe there was people a little bit off base but I know he's a lot of people like him I think one more I want to add to this or two more can, can I add two more go away go ahead man go go for it so both fifth rounders I love Tyler Johnson for Tampa Bay even though they have you know Godwin and Evans um Arians is going to have an offense that passes the ball. We've seen him support, you know, three wide receivers. And Tyler Johnson, I think, um, for played for the Gophers last year. He, you know, probably about six months ago, people would say, oh, he's going to be a first-round draft back in, you know, Dynasty. Now, obviously, the draft, or the draft didn't play out like that. You know, he went in the fifth round for a reason. But I think playing with... Um, Tom Brady and a Bruce Arians offense, he could maybe see some things go his way. And another guy I like, um, right in the backyard, Quintez Cephas or Cephas? Cephas, yep. Cephas. Um, playing for the Badgers. Anytime you just watch them play, he was always, I think, just looked like an NFL wide receiver. He he led the college football and contested catches. He is a big body guy. Maybe not the most athletic, but in that Lions offense, we talked about like them needing talent and how Danny Amendola was maybe the third or fourth best player. I think Quintez could come in and he's a fifth rounder, so there's no guarantee, but he could maybe come in and be um, a nice security option for Matthew Stafford and maybe emerge as that second wide receiver if they moved on from, um, why am I blinking on his name? Marvin. Marvin Jones. Jr. Marvin Jones. Thank you. Yep. So. That, that those two I like a lot too. Yeah, I think when we look at our draft, there's going to be a couple sneaky names that I think are going to get snuck in uh, as we yep. watch the picks go through. I think it's going to be interesting, at least for our draft, to see how many people value these different landing spots, mm-hmm. um, which is not which is not can't be said the same about the tight end position. Absolutely, and I mean I think another interesting thing we're going to see is knock on wood, assuming we have football and there's a training cap at some point when the second half of this draft does pick up, you know, there's not going to be as much, you know, mini camp and just in-person football. So there's not going to be nearly as much knowledge that people will have on these rookies. So it'll be just interesting how that plays out. Cause I think draft boards are going to be different than, you know, there's not going to be as much of a consensus consensus among teams with those players. Anything else you want to... I mean, do you want to talk about tight ends at all? I, I feel like the, it's interesting. It is a tight end premium league, so yeah. we should probably... New England took two of them off of there. Um, mm-hmm. Chicago was the first one to take a tight end off the board, which it comes from the, the team that I love in the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Um, really like those. I was big on this Albert O guy coming out of Missouri, um, going in there. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, I think the guy that is, is most intriguing is Devin Asiasi. Um, just with the fact that he lands there again, he's six three. He's a, uh, another big kid with it. Probably known a little bit more for, I believe, his blocking than mm-hmm. his uh, than his his catching abilities. But um, I, again, you watch tight ends in New England; they they tend to be a little bit nicer. So I, I still think Komet's going to be the best tight end coming out of this entire thing. But uh, Devin Asiasi is going to be pretty entertaining. Over under. Or do you think one tight end goes in the first two rounds of our draft? Yes. Two? I think at most it would be two. 
Okay. I think it, if I had to pick, it would be Komet and Asiasi. All right. It is a tight end premium league. There are a couple people that have some unfortunate tight end circumstances with some of the tight end movement that happened around here. Mm-hmm. Um, so, it, yes, I think it could two would be the most, but I think at least one goes. Yeah, I, I guess I'll I'll stand with one. I think one could be could go, but there's just so much talent in this class. Before we move on and talk about some of the trades, do you have any parting shots with this draft class and the rookies? I think this draft is going to be very entertaining. I think there's going to be a lot of opportunities for people that may want to move up for some of this talent mm-hmm. that we see on the board. Is there are a lot of ideal landing spots. Then we have. Yes. I want to say this draft gave us more ideal landing spots for top 40 players than what we've seen in a couple years past. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, uh, the quarterbacks, running backs, you got to love, and there's a reason they were saying this was the deepest wide receiver class in mm-hmm. quite some time. Yep, I think in the, the 24 picks should be very, very fun to watch happen as we roll out, especially since most of them are being made by three people. <laughs> Ain't that the truth? Well, let's talk because this we we had three trades actually go down in the league, and yeah. there were some draft picks actually moved. So let's start off with kind of the first one that kick started it, and that involved American Psycho and Flash Gordon. American Psycho being Sam sent the six overall draft pick, the twenty twenty one first round draft pick that is owned by Flash Gordon, and a twenty twenty one second round draft pick that is owned by Tearing Up the ACL along with Tyrod Taylor, and he traded all that to Stefan for Josh Jacobs. Your yeah. thoughts, Dan? Yeah, I, I. it's an interesting way to look at this. So Josh Jacobs had a very, very good year mm-hmm. last year. Had one small hiccup with uh, the health piece to it, but it wasn't anything that was overly alarming. You get 1.6 in a very, very deep, heavy draft class. 2021 so you get your own 21st back which you got to figure with how your team's position is going to be a back half pick absolutely and then you get a second from kevin who made the playoffs so again a back half second rounder yep i think sam got a little bit better value for getting a top 10 top 15 running back in in the nfl um stefan needed a little bit more sure footing inside of the quarterback position and Tarod Taylor is rumored to be the guy understanding that they did take Justin Herbert sixth overall Mm -hmm. um I still like it to favor Sam just slightly but I think overall this is a it's a good trade yeah I'm kind of with you I I like it for Sam a little bit more I think this might be a trend but Sam got the best overall asset in this deal in Josh Jacobs and I think because of that this favors him um but like you said, this gives Stefan, I think, some flexibility with his team and where it kind of stands. He's, even with removing Josh Jacobs, he still has a very talented running back core. He has a very talented wide receiver core. He has Zach Ertz at tight end. And quarterback was kind of question question mark. Um, and presumably this trade was made with maybe um, Herbert, you know, to be the, the target for him. Um, Justin Herbert on the Chargers is a great fit. So I get it from... Stefan's perspective too and loading up on draft picks you know I think we're kind of seeing the last year we saw people unload draft picks and maybe treat them too much like candy and this year I think we're people we're seeing people prioritize draft picks and realize that oh shit this is the only way I can improve 
I need to have these rookie picks. So maybe the the title turn back again. I don't know, but I I get it for Stefan. I like it a little bit more for Sam, but I think it's a solid trade to start the year off. Yeah. So let's fast forward 36 hours, not even 36 hours. Yes. So then we have another trade that involved tanking for Tua, Mr. Arman, and this Flash Gordon, Stefan. And what Stefan did is he took every single asset he got from Sam and added um, a 2022 first round draft pick that is his own and Alan Lazard. And he traded all that to tanking for Tua for Teddy Bridgewater and Alvin Kamara. Dan, your thoughts? So, m- moving Tyrod Taylor and potentially what could have been Justin Herbert for Teddy Bridgewater, guaranteeing yourself a better quarterback, I like that piece of the deal. I, I Essentially, then all you're doing is you're just you're, you're well, adding that. Can I stop oh, you? Yeah, go ahead. So, Teddy Bridgewater, you think he's just a better quarterback overall or just, like, because of Justin Herbert's rookie year? Or you think, like, short-term Teddy Bridgewater's better? Shh. From a win-now perspective, Teddy okay. Bridgewater's the better piece for Stefan to say, I'm going to win this league again. I would probably agree with that. Continue. Uh, so then you look at all the other pieces looking to get Alvin Kamara. So I, I look at this and go, okay, would I rather have Alvin Kamara or Josh Jacobs on my team? I'd probably rather have Alvin Kamara. I like the offense a little bit better. Um, mm-hmm. He gives you both pieces from a running game and a receiving game. Um, so Kamara, to me, is the, the better pieces. Now, there are questions about, is Kamara going to remain in New Orleans? What's kind of going to become of him with these pieces? But I, everything's just rumors until anything happens. I like Kamara in New Orleans. Absolutely. Um, it's a lot of youth to give up. But it's from a win now perspective. This says I'm gonna fucking do it, and I I like the move a little bit for Stefan, and and Tua gets his ability to continue to rebuild from something that he inherited that was shit. Um, again, I like the trade. Yeah, I think from a contending side of things, I like it a lot for Stefan. Um, but I like it more for the regular season. I think like his his playoff ceiling, if you will. Um, I don't know if he's going to be able to comfortably rely on Teddy Bridgewater. Alvin Kamara is presumably a little bit better than Josh Jacobs, but I don't think it moves the needle a ton for his ceiling, but it gives him a third quarterback. If injuries happen, he has that stability for bye weeks and stuff like that in a very competitive division. I think this helps him, you know, not no one's a lock to make the playoffs, but this really helps make the playoffs, it increases his playoff, you know, percentage. So I like it from that aspect. From Armand, I'm not sure if I love this a ton. I feel like this deal was, I mean, including Teddy Bridgewater with it, it just felt a little bit light. And uh, I don't know, packaging them both together. If this is the best you could get, that's the best you could get. But I don't love it as much for Armand. Um, I think I feel like if if you're going to move Alvin Kamara... Ooh, I'd say at least right now everyone would probably be, would excuse me everyone would, would probably view him as a top four back. I feel like you need to get back a better centerpiece than the six overall pick in a in a loaded draft. Don't get me wrong, but it's still the six overall pick. So let me ask you this: Do you think uh-huh. this is a gamesmanship move? So to a pick second overall right uh-huh. now, is this a 
I can replace Alvin Kamara with a Clyde Edwards-Hilaire or a Tanking or a, or a Jonathan Taylor, and almost potentially think about the fact that as long as Zane doesn't do anything crazy, that I can end up with a quarter, with a quarterback at six. Um, I mean, do you really want to miss off miss out on Tua though? I I, I get it. I'm just it's one of those curiosity pieces. So I guess here's my perspective with that. If you were going to go that route, why wouldn't you just maybe keep Kamara? Because if you're going to draft a running back at second overall, I feel like you need to be a team that's probably ready to contend. And when you look at Armand's team, he's got, let's see, I mean, no quarterbacks. Mitchell Trubisky's his best quarterback. No running backs. He's got Devontae Adams. He's got, you know, Cooper Cup. That's a really great combo. Um at wide receiver, I mean, Sammy Watkins, Preston Williams, those are solid additions. Tight end, he's got Tyler Higby, Ian Thomas, after that, meh. So, I don't know that I buy that thinking. Okay. I think that, I think, or I'm assuming, you know, even ignoring his name, that Tua was the pick at two, or uh, second overall, and after making this trade, I don't think it changes his thinking. Do you? No, I, I, again, it's just one of those content fillers. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, yeah, but I mean, it's very interesting that. Do you think that did Stefan have maybe this trade in motion prior to his deal with Sam, or do you think it just kind of organically popped up? My guess is it probably just kind of organically popped up. I, I mean, obviously, I can't be one hundred percent sure with yeah. part of that. You'd have to talk to those guys, but I think watching some of the pieces and moves and I I mean this could have been something that Armand initiated off of it that said hey yeah. so here's the deal like like I'm willing to move these pieces I just basically want to get this these back from you you know they're not going to help you right now this is going to help you right now yeah absolutely um all right well then let's move on with our 13 hours third, later 13 hours a third trade that we had in the books and this one involved two different teams but these two teams have an incestuous relationship with trading running backs, apparently. Sauce and Three Blind Mice got together for a trade, and Sauce gave up the fourth pick in the second round, the twelfth pick in the second round, and a 2022 first-round draft pick that is owned by Sauce for Aaron Jones. Dan, what are your thoughts? <laughs> Second round picks in a deep draft are going to give Jerry a little bit of youth to help with probably what most would consider a semi-rebuild. Getting a 2022 second gives him two, two firsts in the 22 draft, two firsts in the 21 draft, and he gives up arguably what could be considered his weakest running back on the roster with the fact that the Packers just drafted another running back in the second round. Yep. Now, I always believe in proven talent has a little bit more stock and value than what you hope to get out of that position. You know what Aaron Jones is going to give you. You know what Aaron Jones is going to produce. Trying to forecast what you're going to end up with 2.4 and 2.12 is a little bit more iffy. Up front, I like it for for Sauce to get the running back and get Aaron Jones. Um, But if Jerry can hit on the picks, long-term wise, not this year, but in, in by 22, I think this potentially could be shifted Jerry's way. So, I guess for starters, what do you make of the the Packers drafting? 
organization. Yeah. <laughs> that and, you know, drafting, you know, AJ Dillon at the end of the second round. Is he a Aaron Jones replacement? I mean, is are they just going to be more run heavy? Is Aaron Jones role not going to change? I mean, what's kind of your gut call with that? So LaFleur came out earlier and said, we need to get a third running back. Uh-huh. And they went out and they got a third running back. And A.J. Dillon's a very talented individual coming out of Boston College. Boston College, right? Yes, Boston College. Yeah, okay, perfect. Just making sure I'm not fucking life up around here. Nope, Boston Um, College. I think this pushes Green Bay to be a more run-heavy piece. When you look at the fact that he was down in Tennessee and this is all they wanted to do with it, I feel like this is what Green Bay is going to want to do. They're going to want to run the ball. And Aaron Jones leads the the, the the three-headed bullshit monster um, in Green Bay that, that is running. Yeah, I, someone sent me this very interesting stat that I love. Um, Aaron Jones, let's see. So Aaron Jones had 16 rushing touchdowns last year. Mm-hmm. And of those 16 rushing touchdowns, do you want to guess how many of them were in the red zone? I'll, of the 16, I'll probably say seven. 14 of them. Oh, interesting. And the Packers just drafted an almost 250-pound bruising running back in the second round. Yeah, that gets a tank. Yeah, and I feel like that's got to... I mean, Aaron Jones is talented, don't get me wrong. But so much of his value last year came from those close touchdowns that he, the team just fed him for whatever reason. And you got to wonder if A.J. Dillon is going to take away some of those opportunities this coming year. So from Jerry's perspective, I totally get wanting to move on from Aaron Jones and not wanting to maybe you know, be a little bit proactive. I just, I don't know, getting the fourth overall pick, like you said, even in a stack draft, draft, the fourth overall pick in the second round being like the main selling point. We don't know what that could be. We, and that's risky. I mean, who knows? Maybe speaking of the Packers, maybe this is where Jordan Love goes. You know, maybe that's a quarterback that Jerry considers, wants to roll the dice on. I don't know. Um, and then the 22 first round pick, I mean, that's just, that's so far away. I like it a bit. I, I like it a bit more for Steve, but I don't love it for either team. If that makes sense. Yeah, you, you pick up a, a running back in a crowded backfield and a lot of future future pieces to it. Um, again, if, if with any pick, if you can find the pick and find mm-hmm. value for it and it hits a home run, you come out looking like a fucking superstar. Absolutely. But you, you look at commodities that exist. You go this way. I mean, the other interesting pieces. Uh, I believe Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams are in the last year of their contract. That is correct. This could be real rough for, for Steve next year if Aaron Jones finds himself a backup role or a, or a spellback role if he doesn't have a great 2020. Yeah, well, it's, it's definitely true. I mean, look what, I mean, with Marlon Mack, I mean, how quickly mm-hmm. his role changed, and that's another Jerry running back, you know, maybe – he saw that happen. He's like, I do not want to get in that situation again. So I, I can't fault him too much. Yeah. These, these, these three trades are, are very cool to see happen. They're, they're very neat, neat to watch picks get moved that are going to be happening here starting on Friday. Uh-huh. Um, it's just, it sets everything up for kind of this painting a, a, a Bob Ross picture. And it's also very interesting seeing three running backs. Um, all, at least right now, probably top, Definitely top 20. I mean, Kamara and Jacobs probably top 10, but Aaron Jones still has value. So 
it's fun to see, and I'm curious what other additional moves we're going to see um, come Friday. Who's yeah. going to get crazy? Anything, anything and everything could happen. I think there's a couple teams that have needs that could be addressed in this draft. Um, I think there's a couple teams that, that might have picks that have the ability to get out. Agreed. All right, well, anything else to add before we wind down this week, Dan? No, I just be conscious of trade offers. Make sure you're checking your your lines of communication that you prefer to not miss out on something that somebody could potentially be wanting to do with you. Make sure your picks are thorough, thought out, and taken care of. Uh, and when push comes to shove, go with your gut, and we'll make fun of you on the podcast later. <laughs> All right, until next time, you guys have a great week, and can't wait for the draft to start yeah buddy adios